Hey guys, cold open here. It's Savannah. I'm here to quickly give an apology and a disclaimer before you listen. Throughout the episode, I consistently say Sarah's name incorrectly, and I call her Sarah Stein. Sarah's last name is Stern. I haven't spoken about this on the podcast much, but at the time of recording this episode, I was struggling with severe mold poisoning and my brain was not functioning efficiently. Please understand that this was not done out of disrespect, but purely a mistake. I appreciate your grace and hope that we can continue to bring light to Sarah Stern's story. Thank you. My name's Savannah. And I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Welcome back. Welcome back. Another week. Yes. Another crime. Here we are. Yeah. So we have, well, good news for us. I'm sure some <laughs> listeners might uh, not be thrilled. I know how some true crime lovers feel about advertisements, yeah. but we're pretty excited. Yeah, we're super excited. So if you noticed, two weeks ago, Shabizness. on Shabizness, we uh, got some ad placements. We don't know if that'll be regular. Yeah, I don't or... think it will be right away, but it's super cool to see our growth and stuff, especially from those of you who have been listening for a long time. Um, yeah. So. But just keep in mind, bear with us. It'll help us get to the point where we can cover cases that we currently don't because we can't afford to pay for you know the court documents and yeah, whatnot like we've mentioned that stuff. a couple times in in cases mm-hmm. and then eventually it'll open the door for us to do more content and create more content yeah. i should say yeah we've thrown around the idea of like patreon and uploading something you know things there some you know paid exclusive content so once we flesh that out a little bit more, we'll we'll come back and talk to you guys about what that's going to look like for us. Yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting this week. Yeah. Pretty pumped. Mm-hmm. I think that's all our business, though. I think so. Well, this week, I'm bringing you a case that I've actually wanted to cover for quite some time now. It's such a classic, like, Savannah case. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like we both have, like, a weird theme like not theme but like yeah brand of case. sad cases yeah like you always <laughs> you always prefer the heavy hitters but i really like like modern crimes and like interpersonal crime people that know each other yeah they typically are younger i love it it's great so okay that is exactly it's a modern day teen crime we're getting into it today oh, okay i'm bringing you the story of sarah stein all right all right so, speaking of segues, let's jump in. I think that's funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of segues, on the night of December 3rd, 2016, an Uber driver was working in Belmar, New Jersey. He was driving down the road when he passed an abandoned 1996 Oldsmobile, and he thought it was a little strange that it was all alone on the side of the road, especially because it wasn't just on the side of any road. It was on the side near a bridge. Oh. So being a compassionate person, he called the authorities because obviously he was worried. This is, you know, it's a concerning thing to see. Yeah. So the police show up and they peek inside and around the car and they find that the car is actually unlocked with the keys still in the ignition. 
they crank it. The car is in perfect working condition. There's really no reason that it should be abandoned. Yeah. It's not like somebody broke down and they went to get help or whatever. Right. Um, so obviously their first concern is going to be a suicide. Yeah. It's, you know, over a bridge. So they run the license plate on the car. It came up as 96-year-old Lillian Stein. When they got to her listed address, they found Lillian alive and well. She told police, no, that's not, like, it is my car, but it's really my granddaughter is the one who uses it, and her name is Sarah. Now they're on the hunt for 19-year-old Sarah Stein. Okay. The police figured out, and I'm assuming that it was Lillian that probably told them, that the last person to see Sarah alive was her best friend from childhood, Liam McCasty. I said his last name wrong. And I'm going to continue to say it wrong because it's kind of funky. McGastney. There's an N in there. McGastney. McGastney. Yes. Oh, no. Rick, like Rick Astley. No, I was was thinking McNasty. (laughs) I also thought McNasty. But then I thought McNasty and then I thought about Grey's Anatomy where they're trying to find names for for Derek and for his best friend Mark and they keep going McNasty, McFilthy, McDirty. (laughs) His name ends up being McSteamy. Yes. So anyway, I think of Rick Astley. (laughs) Yeah. McAstney. Uh, okay. There's, there's, yeah. Mick Astney. I'm just going to call him Liam. <laughs> or Mick Astney. Like ass and knee. Yes. Kind okay. Of, that'll yeah. help me. Okay. That'll help me Perfect. remember. So they mosey along to go talk to Liam. Now, Liam tells the authorities a little bit more about Sarah, and I think I will too, so you know a little bit about who we're talking about. Yeah. Sarah was 19. She was living with her father. She was an art student, and she truly was a budding artist. Like, she was incredibly talented. In 2013, unfortunately, her mother had passed away. She was living with her dad, who she had a little bit of a rocky relationship with when she went missing. Okay. When Sarah's mom passed away, she was going through her mom's house, and she found a very interesting inheritance. She found a ton of old cash like really old money interesting she ended up telling liam about it and liam was he he didn't know exactly how much it was but he was under the impression that it was a lot like between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars in like old cash yeah he at some point says he thought it was from the 80s like it was falling apart kind of thing (laughs) i didn't think i it's from the 1900s i know like i in my head i was like he says it's from the 80s, but then he's describing it as this, like, decrepit dollar bill. Like, <laughs> what right. is I'm it? I'm thinking it's, like, from the 1920s or That's 30s. That's what I thought. <laughs> but then at some point he says it's from the 80s. Either way, it was old enough to be a little bit, like, obvious <laughs> that that's what it was, right? Yeah. So, anyway. He was under the impression that it was, like, fifty dollars to $100,000 in, in money that she wow. finds in her mom's house. Liam and Sarah met in school, and she instantly folded right into a friend group with Liam and his twin brother, Seamus. They called themselves the squad, and they hung out all the time. And I can't even lie, because my friend group and I called ourselves the squad in high school. That's what it was. You were the squad. (laughs) The squad. The squad. So, yeah, they, they were together every single day after school, on the weekends, you know, Tearing up Belmar, New Jersey, taking it by storm for sure. 
Liam also was really good friends with Sarah's prom date, and his name is Preston Taylor. And they actually were roommates at this point. They were living together. And the other player in the story is Liam's good friend, Anthony Curry, who's an independent filmmaker who had bonded with Liam over a love of movies, specifically horror movies, when they were in high school. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Liam told authorities pretty straight away that, you know, Sarah had had some suicidal thoughts before and even had hinted sometimes about, like, just wanting to get away from everything and get away from her dad and move to Canada. So on top of where the car had been found, the police organized a search of the waters below the bridge. Yeah. These waters are called Shark River. Shark River? Mm-hmm. Are there actually sharks? No. I was going to say, why? <laughs> no. In fact, there Is are- Is there a freshwater shark that I'm unaware <laughs> no, of? There are rarely sharks there. Uh, it was named in the 1800s because they kept finding shark teeth there. But I also had to figure it out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? It's a river. <laughs> what kind of sharks are in there? But it's a river. But yeah. no, it's because they just kept finding shark teeth from the ocean that would go yeah. into the river. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. Anywho, the investigation continues for about a month and still no Sarah. They honestly, like, weren't even close. They had no physical evidence other than the car. There was no body. There was no proof that this was even a crime. But yeah. they were still looking because, you know, it's a 19-year-old girl. They're trying to find some closure for her family. And the only thing that they could really come up with was that she had committed suicide. Because if she had been killed, like, there was no, there's no suspect. There was no motive at that point. I mean, other than the money. But, like, they had found a lot of money. So they really weren't sure. Well, yeah. And, and her friend is telling them she's even talked about getting away. So. Yeah. She could have even sort of staged it as yeah. something happened to her just so she could get away and not have well, anybody they, track her down trying to convince her to come back. Exactly. They didn't really think that she had run to Canada because when they were looking through her stuff, trying to figure out where she went, they found a lot of cash. They found some Canadian oh. bills. Well, yeah. So they didn't really think that if she was running to Canada, she would have taken all of her cash. Well, of course. And she would have taken her Canadian money as well. Yeah. And she didn't take any of it, so... I mean, like, based off of Liam's numbers, some of the money was missing, but, like, she could have spent it. They didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know what the final sum was. They were just like, well, we have cash. She would have taken it all kind of thing. She would have emptied her bank account or her safety deposit box or something. Well, the only other weird thing about it was that at one point, Liam asked during an interrogation how far Sarah's body would have gone if if she did jump over the bridge and if it would have come up. But I didn't think that this was a weird question because it's only weird in context of how he says it. Because, like, if my best friend was missing, I would be like, well, why haven't we found her body yet? Like, where did it go? How far could it have gone yeah, in this I mean- amount of time between I saw her before leaving? Because he, he, the last time he saw her, he left to go to work. Okay. So if between me going to work and, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, somebody found her car, how far could she have gotten? Yeah. So I would have asked the same question. The only reason that it was a little bit weird was because the investigators had asked Liam to think and slowly tell them his last conversation with Sarah. And what he responded with was saying, like, well, I had something I wanted to ask you. Like, he didn't answer their question. He asked a question. But, like, I mean, sometimes conversations are awkward. 
So um, I'm going to play that clip for you. Oh, okay. One thing I, I want to talk to you guys about was um, if she, she did jump off the bridge, what are the odds that she's not somewhere all the way out in the ocean by now? Right, like, it's kind of an awkward conversation, but it's not incriminating by any means. Yeah, I, I wouldn't automatically assume that that's incriminating. No. Because the way he phrases it, I was worried when you said it was a little bit strange in the context that the way he phrased it, and my immediate thought was he has the body, he wants to know where he has to dump it in the river, oh, like to see how I far. Think about it like that. That's where I thought that was kind of going, but that's not what I'm oh. getting from that. I mean, no. maybe, but no. No, I'll tell you now. That's yeah. not where it is. Yeah. But I didn't think about that. That's smart. I didn't think about it like that at all. So that's interesting. Good, good in armchair psychology like investigation. The mind of a serial killer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So, yeah, I kind of take it with a grain of salt. I wouldn't have noticed anything about it. But about the month mark into the investigation, we do get a new piece of information. Oh. Anthony Curry, Liam's friend, goes to the police and says that he might have a lead for them. And he begins to tell them about a conversation he had with Liam around Thanksgiving. Okay. Remind me, when did she go missing? She went missing in December. Okay, so he's talking about the Thanksgiving he's before. He's talking about the Thanksgiving before. Okay. He basically tells the police that he and Liam were hanging around around Thanksgiving, and he said, I, I'm just going to read a quote that he said to ABC. Okay. I'm a filmmaker. He used to tell me ideas all the time about films I should make and all that stuff. And he told me about this idea he had to kill this girl, that he was going to strangle her and throw her over a bridge with his friend. End quote. He also told police about some money, and at some point he said, I don't remember exactly, but, like, he said he was, that the, the motive would be for money and that, like, that he and his friend would throw this girl over the bridge, and it just all seems too similar to Sarah. Yeah. And they had no other, you know, they had literally nothing else to go on yeah. at that point other than that one weird conversation that they had. So the police came up with a plan, and Anthony agreed. They asked Anthony if he would be a part of a sting operation to catch evidence of Liam killing Sarah. He's, uh, it's insane that he said yes. <laughs> like, basically, let me, you'll understand why I'm frazzled and why I'm like, he's, uh, he's so brave for doing this because yeah. he knows Liam as a person. At yeah. this point in time, strategically, I've written it <laughs> so that you don't know who Liam is. Right. Like, he's just her friend. Anthony does know. Yeah. He knows that this is a scary thing to say that he'll do. Mm. So they put the plan in motion. A camera and recording equipment was strategically placed in Anthony's car. And they captured one of the most insane confessions I've ever seen. Oh. It's about a 20-minute conversation is the entire thing. And so I'm going to summarize a little bit. I'm going to play some clips. And then we'll we'll recap at the end. Okay. Okay. So Anthony posed and said he just wanted to catch up with Liam, that he was just going to swing by. They could just chat in his car at night. It's like, I don't know what time it is, but it's really late. It's dark out. Yeah. And so 
somehow he convinced him and so he gets liam out there and he starts the conversation by offering liam a cigarette which he declines he said i stopped smoking i've been smoking too much when i tripped like if when i was tripping i would smoke a whole pack kind of thing okay they talk about his drug habits a lot during this 20 minute conversation and this is the first time in any of the investigation that it really comes up Hmm. okay he asked liam like what's new what's going on and liam responds with that he's got the cops on his ass and that he's just been avoiding the cops. And then he said, hmm. you can't blame me for doing this, but I got to fill you up for a wire. Would you not be pooping a goat? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. And he's like, I got to fill you up for a wire, man. And you're like, the wire is not on me. It's in the car. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. I Yeah. So he does fill him up. He gives him a little pat, a little patty pat. A, a little, little a little rub, a little tummy rub. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then he really starts talking, and so I'm gonna play a little clip for you. Oh boy! Because there's just no way I can do it justice by talking. Like <laughs> you just yeah. can't. Yeah, I got the FBI on my ass, dude. What? What are they questioning? Oh yeah, a lot. About what? About killing Sarah. They've been uh, they were up my ass. First, it was just normal police. They were on my ass, and I had to go in and get interrogated by them multiple times. But then it kept moving up levels, and now it's a federal case. They've got the FBI. So you've been laying low, I guess. Oh, yeah. And not even, that's not even the worst part. The worst part of it is I thought I was walking out 50 grand, 100 grand in my pocket. She had one safe, and she took money out, and she only had. 10 grand and this money I don't know if it was Bert or something it's fucking old money terrible quality I don't even know if I can put any of it in the fucking bank right because it'll probably probably look sketchy right look sketchy and it'll look like it's Sarah's money especially if it's a federal investigation right if they're looking for the guy who has the fucking old money Right, because it's probably like the the old dollar bills and shit. It's not like the new shits, because the hundred dollar bills are changed now. Exactly. No, it's from the eighties, dude. It's old. And then, what she found in their house or something? Huh? She found it in their house. Yeah. She spent a lot of money, and I didn't. I didn't even get a quarter of it. That's the first little clip. Oh my god. And that's talking about the money. All right. Oh my god. So the second clip. This is Preston's thing this time. Sarah's whole deal was my thing. But I had planned Sarah's situation for me to be interrogated by cops. Like that was the whole part of my plan to make me look not guilty. Like, what did you even throw up? You didn't hear about it? It was all over the news. Right, but I didn't know if you like went through it. Yeah. And the worst part is, we threw her off the bridge, and the body never showed up. It's, it's probably frozen. It's probably all the way out in the ocean. And it's fucking frozen, so she's not coming up anytime soon. She, her body's probably at the bottom of the fucking ocean, or she got eaten by a shark or some fucking shit. Yeah. Bro, this is like a fucking movie, bro. Yeah. And, dude. Alright, so, I'm hanging out with her. She has 
we we went to the bank. She took some money out, not all of her money. Right. We're counting out, and then she goes to walk out the front door. I choke her out, drag her. My biggest problem was the dog, and her dog laid there and watched as I killed her. Didn't do anything. Her fucking dog. What, what kind, kind of, of dog? Was yeah, what kind of dog is that? It's like some. Was it a big? It dog looks like it? a beagle, but it's like the size of a Great Dane. Jeez. Nobody was there. Her grandma. Was no, there. nobody was there. Even her dad wasn't there. He was in Florida. Don't bring the dog into it. First of all, leave my man. Damn leave, it. Leave, leave the dog alone. Damn it. Yeah. Of course the dog didn't do anything because you're her friend. Yeah. You've been over there a million times. Mm-hmm. They've been trained to that you're an okay person. Mm-hmm. Oh, so my God. That makes I, me mad. Yeah. I cut it strategically because he's about to get pretty graphic, but I will, yeah. I will recap it in a more tasteful yeah. sentence. So he basically has been telling Liam that he he hid the money that he stole after killing Sarah in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. He tells Anthony that the night of the confession, that night, he and Preston had tried to rob a drug dealer that they know, but the guy had moved when they found him and that he had a bunch of people there, so it wasn't a good night, and he was mad because he thought he was going to walk away with between four and $10,000 and about four pounds of weed, but he didn't get any of it. He basically goes on to say that they go to the bank. She gets the money out. Mm-hmm. He watches her count it. And then when she gets up to walk away, he strangles her. He says that it took about a half hour to kill her, but he only thought it would take a few minutes. And he had to get to work. So he put her in the bathroom and he called Preston. Preston, who was Sarah's prom date. Yeah goes to the house, takes Sarah out of the bathroom, and moves her into the bushes of the backyard. Because, like, Liam's whole worry is he's got to get to work so he has an alibi. Yeah. So he goes to work. Her body is in the bushes. After work, they meet back at Sarah's house because Sarah's dad is in Florida. He's not home. Right. He buckles Sarah into the front seat of her car and drives it to the bridge with Preston following in a separate car. It takes both of them to get Sarah's body over the bridge. And shout out to Anthony because he kind of teased him about that in this clip. He's like, she's not even that big. Like, she's not a big girl. Why? (laughs) You needed help to get her over the bridge? He's like, yeah, man. (laughs) But dead weight. Yeah. Heavier than you think. Exactly. So Anthony is honestly a hero like i can't it yeah the the prosecution even says it in the trial they're like without anthony being willing to do this and come forward with this conversation that he had and help us pin him like sarah's family never would have gotten closure yeah and so he spends this whole 20 minute conversation building rapport with liam and making sure he's comfortable with telling him all of this information and they had clearly had conversations before this time about Liam being careful with the drugs he's taking. Yeah. So Liam tells Anthony that he's coming off a bender. And Anthony's like, dude, you can't do that. It's not safe. You have to you have to slow down on that shit. Like, don't 
I don't want you taking all the acid. You're going to have one bad trip. It's going to ruin your life. And like he genuinely cares about Liam and they've clearly had this conversation before. Yeah. So Anthony knows this whole time when he agrees to do this whole, you know, sting operation with the cops that Liam is a danger. He knows that he's doing drugs. He knows he's involved in criminal activity. He, you know, it. Oh, gosh, I can't imagine how freaked out he had to have been in the car with him, knowing what he knew. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it comes out that since the crime, he's just been partying, drinking, experimenting with drugs, doing whatever he wants to do, um, using money that he stole from Sarah or from other places. And he says that he doesn't feel any different and that he doesn't really think about the crime at all. I think that's a lie. (laughs) Yeah, he was kind of going on and on about how he's like, you know, you think that you're going to do all these new things and try these crazy things and it's going to change you, but it doesn't. He thinks he's so cool. You're high all the time. How yeah. would you know? Exactly. So basically, that's it. That's the whole conversation. He tells him, like, I got to go. I got to get back because Preston's being really paranoid. And, oh, by the way, before I leave, don't tell anybody or to- or don't let Preston know that I told you. Because if he knows that I told you about Sarah, he'll kill you. Just a subtle threat before I leave. <laughs> by the way. B- BT dubs. Don't snitch or we'll kill you. Oh, my. Anthony does just that. He leaves and he takes the footage to the police, obviously. A full confession with motive and an accomplice. 20 minutes. Yeah. Give the man a medal. Like, truly. It's insane. That's why I wanted to cover this case, because that confession tape, like, came up on my TikTok six months ago or so. And it's been on my list of cases to cover because it's just so insane listening to him talk so nonchalantly be like oh yeah you didn't hear about it yeah killed her oh my god i want to punch you in the face it's insane yeah i uh, i don't know that's crazy like you said anthony obviously knew like obviously they've had conversations about whatever other things Mm -hmm. that liam has been involved in because If Liam had hidden all of his criminal activity in the past from Anthony, he's not going to get in a car and just be like, well, let me just make sure you're wired. And then I'm just going to word vomit everything I just did. Like, he wouldn't have been comfortable to do that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Anthony knew when he went into the police that he could get Liam to say it. Yeah. So. Well, I mean. Pick better friends, Anthony, but good on you to do the right thing. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But pick better friends from now on. Yeah, I hope learn that, learn I, from this. I hope that you have. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that you're out there living your best life with better friends. He said he was going to move to LA, so I hope he did that, and I hope he's, yeah. you know, a cool filmmaker. I don't think it's, you know, important for me to say or necessary, but they did go arrest both uh, Liam and Preston. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. The two were immediately charged and Preston, Mr. Cool Guy, wants to rob drug dealers. He folds like immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Not surprising since uh, Liam said he was getting paranoid. Yeah. He was paranoid that he was also going to take the money that he'd stolen from Sarah and that's why he hid the money as well. Like, he was not, he didn't trust Liam. Like, I mean, he yeah. didn't trust Preston. He thought he did. He said, no, nah, Preston's cool. But 
You didn't trust him around the money that you know that he had helped you hide a body to get. And like, you just, you clearly don't trust him not to kill Anthony if you tell him that I told Anthony. Like, it's, you know, this isn't, yeah. Come on now, pick better accomplice if you're going to be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Preston is not your ride or die. No, he's not. He enters a plea bargain with, with police, and part of that is agreeing to testify against Liam, which he does. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So this is where things sort of get tricky to research because the court documents aren't super easy to get a hold of, and the trial wasn't televised. There are a couple pieces that were filmed that you can watch on YouTube, but yeah, it's mostly Preston's testi- testify- testimony. testimony. It's mostly Preston's testify. <laughs> It's mostly Preston's testimony and a couple of different speeches from, you know, different attorneys and that sort of thing. Nothing. Yeah, like opening, closing statements. So I don't have as much as I'd like to have when it comes to the burden of proof of it all. But we do have a couple interesting things. Number one, his defense team, his, his defense for this confession was that he wasn't confessing at all. Nay, nay. This is theater. (laughs) it was an audition obviously he thought he was auditioning for one of anthony's movies he's a thespian oh no yeah that was that was their uh their grand plan well bless those attorneys they got handed a shit case yeah exactly i mean it's not the worst defense i've ever heard but like Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. So he pled not guilty? Mm -hmm. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His mom swears up and down that he didn't do it. Yeah. I can't imagine why he's the way he is. Mm. Like, because listening to him talk, he sounded so entitled. Like, so matter of fact. So I got this. I only got what do you say? I only, I only got, got ten, like a quarter I only of got like it. A quarter of it. It's not your money, yeah, sir. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that his mom would be like, "My poor baby, he could have never done this." We loved Sarah. Well, yeah, you may have loved Sarah, but clearly Liam didn't. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, obviously his defense didn't go over super well. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's not. I wonder why. It's not gonna work. Um, another thing ha- that happened during the trial was that after jury selection was concluded, one of the jurors had to be removed because she posted on Facebook, "quote Sitting on the jury, Lamau, LMAO, <laughs> Lamau, Lamau." <laughs> like, you, yeah, that's super oh. classy. I'm really glad that you <laughs> you did that. Thanks. So she obviously had to be removed because that's not you can't post. Yeah. It. On February 7, 2019, Liam was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus an extra 10 years. He was found guilty on seven charges, including first-degree murder, tampering with evidence, conspiracy, and desecrating human remains. He eventually led the police to two safes in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, where they found the money. Preston was not only Liam's roommate, but also Sarah's prom date, and he was sentenced to 18 years in prison for hindering apprehension of evidence, robbery, desecrating human remains. He said at one point during his testimony that Preston said that Liam told him Sarah had, quote, the type of money that somebody would kill for, end quote. 
it's just it breaks my heart that these people were so close. Like I can't get over. Like do you? Who, yeah. Like who did you go to prom with? Oh, my prom date was awful. <laughs> but would he have killed you? Well, no. I mean, no. or dump your body off a bridge? He basically used me to go to prom. Everybody can laugh at my pain. No, <laughs> <laughs> just he used me to go to prom because his ex-girlfriend, who he was still in love with, was in my class, and he was younger than us. He oh. was like a year behind us. I had just broken up with my boyfriend. He was a mutual, like, yeah. he was friends with my best friend. He ha- We happened to be hanging out and going to the mall. I was nearly in tears as I was returning my prom dress and he intervened making himself look like the sweetest guy ever he's (laughs) like i'll go to prom with you i can tell you're really upset and you don't you don't want to take the stress back and i was like really and then i realized once we were at prom and he spent the whole night staring at his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend that really that's why he wanted to go to my prom is it prom if it's not dramatic i you know yeah and then the next day it got even better because I don't know about other places, but in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, it's very common that after prom, the day after prom, everybody goes to Cedar Point okay, amusement park. So we went to Cedar Point, and he spent the entire time at Cedar Point saying, I won't use names. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll just, yeah, I won't use names. But he's like, me and her, when we came here last year, we got our characters painted there (laughs) last year when me and her were here we got airbrush t-shirts matching airbrush (laughs) t-shirts last year when me and her were here like it was i was i was never happier that it started pouring rain at 2 (laughs) p.m and i was like yes we can get out of here yes we can leave officially and it's fine he was awful well it wasn't Preston. <laughs> it was It could have been worse. It could have been worse. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah. It, it's just like, I don't know. I went to prom with my fiance. So I'm yeah. just like, I can't yeah. imagine like somebody that you go through this like strong moment, like this, you know. A big moment. Yeah. yeah. Together doing yeah. that. But, you know. Well, you know what comes next. Appeals. Appeals. Liam tried to appeal saying that he was denied a fair trial due to, quote, impermissible indoctrination of the jury what what i don't even know what you're trying to say (laughs) sir what he's saying you're not allowed to indoctrinate the jury and they did it and i'm like but they didn't and and the you know of course the panel of judges who looked at the appeal said no i couldn't find anything other than preston did appeal but i couldn't find the paperwork that what he was appealing but it got denied anyway it didn't matter I mean, it's more difficult to appeal when you... If you did a plea deal. You did a plea deal. I don't even think that you you technically can in some places. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's wackadoo. So, Preston was, like I said, sentenced to 18 years. 15 were mandatory, and he will be eligible for parole in 2032. Hmm. Okay. But you know who won't be eligible for parole? Liam McNasty. Liam McAsney. (laughs) Um, the, the bummer that I'm going to end on, I'm going to end on a sad note. Sarah's body was never found. Yeah, I kind of figured. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's such a strange case because on one hand, it's pretty straightforward. Like you have a confession and there you go. But at the same time, there's so many open-ended questions and it's just like, it wasn't a satisfying case to finish. Like I was upset 
at the end, not like relieved that he's in jail. I'm just mad that Yeah. He did it. I mean, Welcome obviously to all always... of my cases. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all of my cases are. <laughs> I mean, obviously kind of sad. You're I like, mean, yeah. Nothing good comes out of true crime. Imagine that. No, it never does. And like and like I say, we're never I never am happy that it's they're in jail. I wish they had never done it, obviously. But this one, I just felt like we never really got the closure. I mean, other than him being arrested and convicted, that's closure on one hand, but. Yeah, but it sucks for the family to not have the closure to being able to lay her to rest Mm -hmm. somewhere or however, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I just had a really weird thought. Mm -hmm. Say it. This is a weird place. (laughs) So. Speaking of like laying her to rest, then I started thinking, but not everybody lays to rest these days. Like it's becoming more and more common. Like you yourself. Yeah. You want to go to a body farm. I am going. It's not. You are going to a body farm. I'm sorry. You are going to a body farm. Currently, I have that I would be cremated, but that's likely going to change. I'm still kind of researching and figuring it out. I would. At this point, I'm leaning towards like a green burial. Yeah. But there's only so many places to to do that. Mm-hmm. But like with everybody, like cremation being so common, cremation and spreading ashes is more common. Like I just kind of wonder, it, it was a weird thought of like, I wonder if it'll get easier for people to like when bodies go missing. Like as yeah. that as, as non traditional things become more common and you don't have like the same sort of you know like we've gotten away from like having a viewing period of a body yeah. for three days like as that sort of fades away and culturally we get towards more just like yes you have services but like you're not sitting there viewing their body if it w- will get just slightly easier for people who don't yeah maybe because they're not missing out on like a traditional thing but i don't know if it's ever going to be easier i think the way that i can relate to what you're saying is like people don't always find closure in funerals themselves i i don't it it may it may shift from being like a closure-based experience to something that you just do and so maybe by not having body it will get easier because it's not something that you always do like when my grandmother passed away, we had a funeral. It was several months later because she passed away during COVID. But we got closure when she passed away because instead of having a funeral right away, because we couldn't, we yeah. went and did something that she really loved doing as a family. Yeah. And that was more closure than her funeral ever would have been. Yeah. And she wasn't even there. Like, we didn't have ashes. We didn't have anything because she had just died that day. So it's about like, yeah, I think you might have a point that I think it'll always be uncomfortable for them. Yeah. But they may still be able to find closure as tradition changes. I don't ever, I absolutely did not mean to imply that, oh, they'll totally be okay with it. No, No, but. But, you know, some people really like feel that drive or that like, I need to see their body in order. Mm Mm-hmm. To like have closure and move on. I'm personally not like that. The the funerals that I have attended where like you view the body, I'm actually slightly traumatized by. Like oh, really? I, I don't 
I thought I would be, and then I went to one, and I I was not. I I do not not a fan, not a fan at all. Hmm. I have a much easier time processing and just being like, okay, they're they're gone, but they're in a better place, or hmm. you know, yeah, that's interesting. Um, when it's just like a memorial service and they've been cremated, so like I don't ever actually see their body, and that's so yeah. interesting. I think I was more affected by seeing ashes than seeing a body that was available for viewing. Yeah. That's so fascinating. To so me, like, to see the ashes, I, I was said, like, this I was, is what your life has. Like, that's crazy. I mean, I said I was going to say something weird. Oh, I love it. This is so weird. It turns out I'm just weird. <laughs> I think. No, I don't think that's weird. <laughs> People struggle with that. Like, that's a very normal thing, like, to have issues with. If you've ever watched The Haunting of um, Hill House. They- I did. Yes. So good. That was good. She does it, you know, that's a whole plot point is, you know, there's a there's a character who struggles with well not a character, but like a side character comes mm-hmm. into the funeral home struggling with seeing the body after death. And it's just, you know, I think yeah. that's a, that's that's a very normal thing to struggle. I am weird in the fact that death doesn't freak me out. I don't know that that's weird. I've I mean I've known people that don't I had a friend in high school that thought about becoming a mortician. Okay, I don't want to be a mortician, but yeah. Listen, and we need morticians. I know an amazing funeral director who's like the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, but it's not going to be me. Thank you. Yeah, no, definitely not me. I don't know how to explain it. I think part of it is because the very first funeral that I ever attended that was open casket was for a step cousin mm. who was one of my close friends. Oh. And who was only a year older than me. Oh, I can see how that would totally be. And I was devastated. Yeah. Like, I straight up caused a little bit of a scene because they, like, forced me to go up to her casket. And they don't... She did not look like her. Really? They, the makeup was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... And I freaked out and started sobbing very loudly and, like, ran to the bathroom. My gosh, you're so dramatic. I love it. I was very dramatic. I love it. I was You're feeling your feelings so I big. was twelve. I was yeah. very dramatic. But that's good. You were feeling your feelings. Yeah, and that was my first experience. Cause like mm-hmm. I had a close grandparent pass away when I was younger than that. And they but I was like seven mm-hmm. and she died after being in a car accident and they still chose to ha- apparently have an open casket. So like that was on the opposite side of my family, and my mom was like, I am not allowing her to go and see her grandmother like that. Yeah. Like, so I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral because- That was probably a right, that was probably the right choice. She didn't yeah. want to traumatize me seeing that, so, because she was beat up and didn't- Yeah. Yeah. So- My first my first one was not somebody that I was really close with at all. It was- um, a girl in my Girl Scout troops mother had passed away and it was her mom's funeral and I had only met her mom maybe once or twice. Yeah. And it was the first time I had been to an open casket funeral and my mom and my best friend's mom were in the car. We were on the way there and they were like, OK, by the way, this might be an open casket. You might be seeing her body. And I was like, what? I'm going to see her once. What are you talking about? But by the time I got there, I... Was more focused on comforting my friend, yeah, than really seeing her mom. And I think that that kind of worked in my favor because I wasn't 
it was just part of seeing her was just to get to my friend. Yes. And so, you know, I don't, that may be why I'm more comfortable with it. Cause the second open casket I went to, I did know the person and it didn't bug me. Yeah. I've been to several since some I knew. Well, no, all of them I knew, but some were like closer, like family members. Yeah. And uh, the last one I was at was a, the brother of a friend of mine. So I knew him, but I actually hadn't seen him in, a, I don't know, like 10 years or something mm-hmm. prior to his passing. You know, the family members were all older, so it wasn't it wasn't like devastating, obviously, like the first yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, seeing somebody so close to your age, so young that you were close, that's that yeah. is horrible. And that she is- passed pretty suddenly, too. And it probably had less to do with it being an open casket and more to do with grief as well. Probably. And you're just attaching it to the open casket. Probably. Yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty bitter after her yeah. passing. Anyway, this is not a therapy show, but this is a tangent that we've gone on. <laughs> But it's okay. How do you we feel about open casket? Yeah. So if you made it this far, chime in <laughs> on how you feel about open casket funerals. Make everybody in the comments very uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, maybe that should be our emoji. Isn't there like a um, casket emoji? I, let's see if there's a casket. I don't know if there's a casket. There is a casket emoji. All right. It's a casket emoji this week. (laughs) If you made it this far, leave us a casket emoji. Let us know your thoughts. Nobody has listened through this whole thing. I think there will be some. They'll be our diehard people. Our diehards. The same same people. We know who you are. You know who you are. We know who you are. You're here still. Tonda. Yeah. Thank you. You're real ones. Yeah. Fernanda. We know you'll be there. Yeah. So. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com. Ooh.